Amen. Love suggests a feeling more intense and less susceptible to control than that associated with some of its synonyms. Love does have some synonyms, but love suggests, the word suggests, a feeling more intense and even less susceptible to control than some other terms that we think when we say love. Let's talk about affection. Affection is a changeable feeling of regard for someone. Fondness is a synonym of love, and it, in its most common idea, it, it is uh, the strong liking. You like to be around a certain person or a thing. It's, you're fond of it. Infatuation is another uh, synonymous term when we start talking about love. Uh, that can be an extravagant attraction or attachment to a person or even something. Uh, usually it is of short duration uh, and it usually comes out of faulty judgment. And you can be infatuated or attached to things or people because of a false judgment that you've made. Uh, also devotion. When we start talking about love, I think devotion is something that we need to uh, think about devotion is a dedication or an attachment to someone or something, but it depicts a deeper and stronger aspect of love. It recognizes selflessness and uh, it recognizes settled commitment. It says, I'll be devoted to that person regardless of things that may happen in life. I want to not only love the Lord, I want to be devoted to him, committed to him. Somebody say amen. And so it is with the body today. We've talked about in the last couple of weeks Christ's love for us. We find that uh, emphatically stated in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. God doesn't want any to perish. It's not his will that any perish. His will is that you have everlasting life. Martin Luther called John 3.16 the heart of the gospel. It's the gospel in miniature, if you want to say that. Its message is so simple that a child can understand it, yet it condenses the deep and marvelous truths of redemption into just a few poignant words. That's what Martin Luther thought about John 3.16. G. Campbell Morgan, who wrote tremendous books and commentaries that many preachers study and read to this very day. G. Campbell Morgan said this about John 3.16. He said, this is a text that I have never attempted to preach on, though I've gone around it and around it. He said, the reason I haven't preached on John 3.16 is because it's too big. When I have read it, there is nothing else to say, he says. When you read it, you're speechless. There's nothing else to say. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, the power of those words. Oh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the incredible thought that God wrapped himself in flesh and gave himself so that we might somehow find life everlasting. Well, let's give God praise today if you're thankful for what he's done for you. Oh, come on, let's just praise him for a minute.
G. Campbell Morgan said, if we only knew how to read it so as to produce a sense of it in the ears of people. He said, if we knew how to read it, there would be nothing left to preach about if we knew how to read John 3.16. We found out that God's love for us was recognized in his life. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of what love is. If you want to measure your love, Get a good look at Jesus Christ. There's the measurement of your love. He also exampled it not only in his life but in his death. And we found out a few weeks ago that Jesus on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice ever made on behalf of another human being. It really is Jesus in my place. I want you to think about that. His death on the cross is Jesus in my place. And we recognize that when we get a good look at Calvary, we are seeing for full in full view the very effects of sin, what sin does to an individual. You may not think that you're wounded or scarred or beaten or lonely or any of these things, but Jesus shows us the finality of sin in an individual. When he took our place on the cross, he showed the ultimate hell when he screams from that cross. Nothing made him scream. They beat him, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and they nailed him to two pieces of wood he never opened his mouth but he would scream when he realized that God had forsaken him he felt the hell every man will feel when he's cast out of the presence of almighty God you've never lived one day outside of God's love for you you have never awakened one morning and his love be absent from you And no, it won't be flat. Read it for yourself. Jesus told us. If you believe Jesus is a liar, then we we don't have a whole lot to talk about. But if you believe Jesus is truth in a body, Jesus said, I want to tell you about two men. One went to heaven and he was comforted there. And one went to hell and he was tormented there. Jesus said that. People don't want to talk about hell or heaven anymore. But Jesus brought up the subject. And he said, the man in hell lifted up his eyes and he said, somebody help me. I'm in torment. And the message came. All the help has already been given. You've wasted your opportunities. And the Bible says that man said, send somebody to my brothers and go tell them of the great torment in this place. Now I want to tell you, it's not the flames that torment those that are lost forever. It's separation from God. His love, his spirit, his power. In him I live and I move and I have my being. I don't think I've ever, I've, I will re- really fully realize what it's like to be without God until uh, we experience if we're lost and away from God. You don't ever experience that in this world because we're surrounded by his presence. He watches over us as we sleep. He cares for us like a father caring for his children. He said, I feed the birds of the air and I clothe the flowers of the field, but you're more important than birds and flowers. Uh, you know, you think you're getting a little money together so you can eat and get a little money together so you can do stuff you enjoy, get a little money together to go have a, a good time wherever you go have a good time. But I want to tell you, Jesus is the one that provides for you. He's the one that cares for you and helps you. You don't even realize it, but he's watching over you. Oh, let's give the Lord praise today.
so I must hurry. My Lord, it's 11.55. I, I need to hurry. So uh, I, I think it's very important we recognize that Jesus in his life and in his death, he showed us that he loved us. But not only that, he showed us that he loved us in his promise that he was coming back for us. He said, I'm coming back for you. Because where I am, there I want you to be too. The ultimate sign of his love for us is that he says, I want to be with you for eternity. Oh, what a blessed hope we have. And then we find not only his love for us, but his love in us. And that comes by the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. We, it's literally Christ in you, giving the, you the ability to do things you can never do by yourself. And that means love people. That means when they smite you, turn the other cheek. That means if they take your coat, offer them your shirt also. That also means do good to those that despitefully use you and pray for those that persecute you. How can I do that? I can because I have Jesus inside of me. I can. Come on, somebody praise the Lord right now. I can, I can, I can. Oh, don't tell me there's not somebody you can't love. You can. Don't tell me there's somebody that's too far gone. You can. Somebody shout, I can. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord because Jesus is in me. I can. Somebody say amen. His love in us not only is by the Holy Ghost, but I also come to maturity as his love is given into my life. Uh, I recognize that he demands for me to grow up. He doesn't want me to remain irresponsible. And just because, dad, because daddy loves you, you can leave your room messed up all the time. There's, there's something in me that says there's been so much given to me. I want to make my bed a little bit and pick up the stuff and clean my house a little bit. I want to make sure it's presentable for my Lord. Not only that, but in obeying his word. When, he, when I realize how much he loves me, I want to obey his word. I want to do what pleases him. And when I find out modesty pleases him, then it's, it's not a cross. And it's not a crutch. It's a privilege. When I realize loving is not, uh, it's one of those things that pleases him, then I want to love, even though sometimes it may be difficult. Somebody say amen. And we closed last week with Matthew 24, verse 12, a startling word from Jesus when he said, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now I want to be saved, so I better be ready to endure. And endurance means this is not a sprint. That means this is a marathon. That means I better be ready to run a long race. That means there may be times that I don't feel like running the race of love anymore, but I want to be saved, so I'm going to endure. And Jesus said, because sin abounds, the love of many will get cold. And that word love is agape. It's the love of God that you only get by being filled with the Holy Ghost. So what Jesus is saying in Matthew 24, he's not talking to worldly people that feel what the Greek term is philio, which means a common attraction to people. But this is agape. He's talking to the church. And he said, because sin will get bad, you have the propensity to let God's love get cold in you. 
You know what I'm talking about. I don't have to preach that very long. Because we've all been challenged to keep on loving. So that leads me today for just a few moments now to share with you Christ's love through us. And I want to read a very challenging portion of scripture in 1 John 4 verse 7. But before I read it, let me say to this congregation, I would like for this, if we're going to be known for anything, I would love for us to be known by our deep love. Say what you want about gifts and holiness and modesty and uh, gifts of the Spirit and healing and miracles. You know what? The Bible tells us that the gifts of the Spirit operate by love. You get love right the gifts start operating. You start seeing healing. You start seeing miracles because now you're loving the way Christ loves. So that takes all human motive out of your prayers. 1 John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another for for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propit- the propitiation or the, the, the substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us. How did he love us? He loved us before we loved him. If God loved us in that way, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, we will see God. You get that? How, why is that stuck in there? He's talking about loving each other, and then he just says, oh, by the way, you haven't seen God. But then he says, if we love one another, God dwells in us. You see him only through one thing, that is love. I saw God today. How can I believe? How can I know he's real? John says it. You'll not, you can, haven't seen God at any time, nor can you see him. But if you love one another, oh, you'll get a good vision of him. <laughs> Somebody say amen. And God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now, this was the reaction of the unbelieving Greek writer Lucian who lived from A.D. 120 to 200. I want you to listen to what the Greek writer, he wasn't a believer, he was an unbeliever, living in a very important, uh, just post-apostolic era. In 120 to 200 A.D., he wrote about the early church, and we like to talk about the reason this church is the Apostolic church is because we believe we have connection to the apostles, what they preached and believed. I want to read you what an unbelieving Greek writer said about the early church. Listen, it is incredible to see the fervor with which the people of that religion help each other in their wants. 
they spell they spare nothing their first legislator jesus has put it into their heads that they are brothers that's what an unbelieving world said about the early church what does an unbelieving world say about us now 2000 years later Do they say their first legislator, Jesus, has put it into their head that they are brothers? Friend, brother or sister is more than just something we say to one another. It's a fact. It's a reality. His love for us has made us family. And let's give the Lord praise for that right now. Excuse me, I don't want you to hear me blow my nose. (laughs) So I'm going to turn that microphone off. Uh, But I I want to share just a few things today that uh, prove that Christ's love is in us and works through us. First of all, it's very, very important. Everybody say, my love for God. Now, if Christ loves me and he has put his love in me, then the evidence of that is my love back to God. Jesus Christ's love for us is revealed in our feelings of love back to God. In fact, from the time of Moses, God's people have realized a need to express their love to God. In fact, the basic creed of Judaism is known as the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5. And the Shema is an affirmation of the Jews. And in that passage we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's not enough. I love that message, but that's not enough. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. The Jews throughout the ages have recited the Shema. In fact, the Shema is the first thing a Jewish child hears when they are born. It's the last thing recited over them as they leave this life. The Shema, it's repeated over and over in their ears from an early age until their death. They knew that not only they must believe in one God, but they must devotedly love that one God. It's not enough just to believe. You got to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. On his his 99th birthday, Carl J. Prince, for many years the commissioner from Sweden to Canada, was asked for rules by which such a long and useful life might be achieved. He's on his 99th birthday. They ask him, what's the rules by which you've lived such a long and useful life? And Carl Prince said this, I would suggest one must be temperate in all things. And then he paused, and then he added quickly, perhaps I should say all but one. You should be temperate in all things but one. For in the Bible, you can read the commandments to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This is the only thing you should do to excess. This is the one thing, Carl Prince says, you ought to be extravagant about. Loving God and loving your neighbor. 
And Jesus elaborated on this important aspect in a conversation he had with a scribe. Now, a scribe was somebody that yearly would just rewrite the, the books of the law. And in Mark chapter 12, we find the conversation between Jesus and a scribe. And Jesus says to him in Mark 12, one of the scribes came. And having heard them reasoning together and perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered, the first of all commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all of thy strength. This is the first commandment. Somebody say amen. So our faith in God is not complete by just believing him. We must show our faith by loving him. It's not enough just to, oh, I'm preaching to you today. It's not enough just to come to church and believe certain things. you got to love him enough to do certain things. I, I, I need to read this as well because there's a religious disease that's running through this part of the country. And it tells people that works don't matter. Well, I beg to differ with you. You obviously have torn out the entire book of James from your Bible. Oh, works don't matter. Well, try this on for size, James 2 and 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by his works was faith made perfect? No, people that say to you from now on, no, you're not saved by, by, by uh, works. You say that's exactly right. But your faith is perfected by your works. It's exactly what your Bible says. Faith is only made perfect by your works. Now, faith will get you in the door of salvation. Uh, but works will perfect that faith. In other words, I don't want to just have enough faith to be saved. I want to have enough faith to, be, to stay saved and please God. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. Yeah. Yep, and by works was faith made perfect. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. The same verse all those crazy folks quote that try to tell you works don't matter is the same verse James says proves that works do matter. Abraham didn't do anything. It was imputed unto him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. You're exactly right. Then James says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. It's not enough just to believe certain things. I got to love God with all of my heart. Jesus taught that our love must involve the four major areas of human functionality. Love the Lord with all your heart means the full range of your emotions. That's why it's not okay for you to sleep through church. If anything else excites you and keeps you awake, God ought to keep you awake also. You need to love God with your full range of emotions. Oh, I'm not emotional. Oh, yes, you are. Come on, somebody say amen. 
Yeah, and to love God with all your soul means to love him with your total spiritual nature. To love God with our mind is to love him with your full intellectual capacity. And to love God with all your strength means to total, love him totally uh, in physical being. And it must be expressed by your love for loving God with your strength and your mind and the strength of your emotions and the strength of your will develops a balanced Christian character. I'm loving God. But not only is his love through me shown in my love back to God, it's shown in my love for someone else. For all of you. I just want, last week I said, is there, any, is there anybody here that knows that there are some people that are difficult to love? Do you remember that? Did you raise your hand? Raise your hand if you believe there's people difficult to love. I'm not going to tell you who was going through my mind. But I had my hand up also. Let me say this. Someone has said it's no chore for me to love the whole world. My only real problem is my next door neighbor. And the one that lives right past them. And the one that lives right past them. When Jesus taught that men should love God, he simply affirmed the beliefs of his own people. But he broke new ground when he introduced a new commandment. And I read a portion of it just a moment ago. He said the first commandment is that you love God. But the second is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these two. You want to please God? Do these two commandments. Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, the entire law and the prophets hang. What a powerful word. Jesus taught universal love. Dialogue with the scribe did not end with the responsibility of man to God. Jesus went on to teach that men should love one another. In fact, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Do you remember what happened right after he washed their feet? Do you remember what happened on that very night? One forsook them. One sold them out. And Jesus said, I want you to hear something new. You're fixing to get distracted like you've never been distracted. You better love one another. The Apostle John admonished believers in 1 John 2 that you should love one another. Now, love may not make the world go round, but it sure makes the trip enjoyable. Observers have, conclude, have concluded that the loneliest place in the world is the human heart when love is absent. Chelsea could probably give us two or three Sundays on a study of what happens when a child is abandoned. What happens when a child feels the heavy weight of loneliness and has no caregiver. Yeah, Jesus knew that anybody can be a heart specialist. The only requirement is to love somebody. Love everybody. We become vulnerable when we love people and go out of our way to help them. Listen to that. That's a great statement. We become vulnerable when we love people and go out of our way to help them. You know who said that? The great wealthy industrialist Charles Schwab. 
Now listen to this. He said that after going to court and winning a nuisance suit at the age of 70. Somebody filed a nuisance complaint on Charles Schwab and they gave him permission. The judge gave him permission to speak to the court and he made this statement. I'd like to say here in a court of law and speaking as an old man that nine-tenths of my troubles are traceable to my being kind to others. Nine-tenths of my trouble are traceable to being kind to people. He said, look, you young people, if you want to steer away from trouble, be hard-boiled. Be quick with a good, loud no to anybody and everybody. And if you follow this rule, you will seldom be bothered as you tread life's pathway. Except you'll have no friends, and you'll be lonely, and you won't have any fun. Charles Schwab then made his point. Love may be heart may be a heartbreak, but it's worth it. I said, love may be a heartbreak, but it's worth it. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. I have an ability to love God. I have an ability to love you. But last and last but not least. His love through me gives me the ability to love the lost. The lost. The lost. The lost. Not those sitting here today. The lost. Those that you've laughed at a funny joke about. The lost. Those that will go to bed tonight and fall asleep, not realizing he's in their bedroom watching over them. The lost. Those that haven't given him a thought to care less that he even exists. My love, his love in me gives me the ability to love the lost. Now Jesus put a priority on loving the lost and so should I, I guess. Jesus taught that whether it was a lost coin or a lost sheep or a lost child, we should diligently seek what is lost. Somebody say amen. The lost coin means that if you've lost your sense of value, each one of these lost things are sought after differently. You notice that. That if you're a coin, in other words, you're in the house, but you've lost your sense of value, what do you do to find it? You sweep the house. You move the furniture. You say, you know what? I don't feel very important. Well, then get all the stuff off of the floor. Move the furniture until you find your value. And then he said, what about a lost sheep? Well, what does a lost sheep do? A lost sheep loses its way. And what do you do when somebody's lost their way? You you chase after them. You 
you go find them. Well, what about a lost child that's lost its place? It was in the house, but now it's lost its place. Well, he was sought after differently. I believe the goodness and mercy of the Lord follow us all the days of our life. I believe there's something that followed this child all the way to a pig pen. And he remembered that in his father's house there was bread. You're not hungry in the father's house. There's enough clothes in daddy's house. There's there's supply in daddy's house. And he desired to come home. We are never to quit loving even the most desperate person. I like David Brainerd's statement, the great missionary who wrote in his journal while in prayer late one night as his ministry was to the Indians of that particular country. And he could hear them a number of miles away in one of their rituals, religious rituals, and he could hear the drum beats. And he wrote in his journal, Father, please forgive them. Well, their drum beats are only the sound of their searching for you. Could I feel that way about the alcoholic? Could I feel that way about the meth addict? Could I feel that way about those that are bound in, in sexual deviance? Could I feel that way about the person who's searching everywhere? Could I go to my knees and say, Father, forgive the sound of their drums. It's just the sound of their searching for you. I want to tell you, you can find Jesus today. Is there anybody in this room? I said you can find Jesus today. What that means is if there's anybody that's ever found Jesus, you ought to respond right now. Because there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end is destruction. But you've got the truth and the way here today. And his name is Jesus. Oh, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. I want to tell you, God is able to save any individual. Heavy on the word any. You don't have to even look at him right now, but the person down the road from you is living proof that God can save anyone. Somebody say amen. Our love for the lost may not always bring an evident harvest or personal reward, but you love them anyway. Reader's Digest had this short article. I I just wanted to read it. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest pride. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. So fight for some underdogs anyway. What you spent years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. Build anyway. 
Come on. And Reader's Digest closed that article with these words. Give the world the best you have. Could I say to every blood-bought child of God, tongue-talker, prayer warrior in this room, let's give Salem the best we have. Let's give the world the best we have. Oh, do you feel that way? Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. Oh, yes. Oh, let's worship the King of Kings right now. Come on, reach out to Him right now. God's love for us is unquestionable, never changes. God's love for us was consummated on the cross. He gave himself as a sacrificial lamb to redeem us. There's no greater love than that. God's love prevails. It never quits reaching. It breaks down barriers. It keeps drawing us. And we who have felt his great love are not only to show him that we love him in return, but we're also to love others. Now, you may not have this piece of equipment just sitting around in your house. Used to be a day maybe every basement may have had one in the basement, but it's called a boiler. It is impossible now, listen, to look into a boiler and see how much water it contains. You can't tell by looking from the outside. But running up beside it is a tiny piece of glass. It's a tube. It serves as a gauge. And as the water stands in that little tube, so it stands in that great boiler. When the tube is half full, the boiler is half full. When the tube is empty, so is the boiler empty. How do I know that I love God? You believe you love Him, but you want to know. Then look at the gauge. The gauge is your love for your brother. I want my boiler to be full. But I need to check the gauge every once in a while. And the gauge is, how do I love those that he created? Lord, I don't want to just know your love. I want your love to move through me. Nothing pulls people closer together or strengthens lines of loyalty like love. Love breaks down internal competition. Love silences gossip. Love builds morale. Love promotes feelings that say, I belong here. Who cares who gets the credit? I need to do my best. And of all the world's great love stories, the greatest is the one of Jesus' love for us. And I close. The great scholar from England came to America and spoke at universities and churches across the country. Toward the end of his tour, someone asked him the most profound thought 
Mr. Professor, what's the most profound thought you have ever had? He paused and then tears came to his eyes and he began to sing this song. This song. Oh, Jesus loves me. This I know. Tells me so. your voice and sing it. You've known it for years. Yes. Let's stand together. Sing that chorus one more time. 